Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We are down to the final four teams of football season. Kansas City and Cincinnati rematch last year's AFC Championship. San Francisco is back to avenge their loss against the up-and-coming Eagles. The stage is set, and BetOnline has you covered with all of the props, odds, promos, and parlays for championship weekend. Use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening. Good afternoon or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is a fantabulous Tuesday, January 24th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, and yet we appreciate you stopping in. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening promised you on our NFL Monday show that we would get to the Dallas Cowboys and San Francisco 49ers game. It took a day and we are here. Let's talk about this game. And since the 49ers are going to the NFC Championship and since Brock Purdy has infected San Francisco 49ers fans with Nick Foles syndrome for the past, shall we say, six to eight weeks. And then this week, Brock Purdy went back to being the Brock Purdy that we all thought he would be when he took over as the starter. Now that Brock Purdy's back to normal, and now that the San Francisco 49ers are in the NFC Championship game, let's play our 49ers theme song, which is, of course, a song about Jimmy Garoppolo getting traded that didn't end up mattering because Garoppolo didn't get traded and is set to the theme song from the 1993 cult classic, Groundhog Day. Garoppolo drops back to throw. You're gonna lose the game. The seasons come and seasons go. The Niners need a change. If you don't throw check downs, you're gonna take a sack. Jimmy G is warming up, yeah, he's your quarterback. No, don't throw it. Interceptions drive us all insane. Phones are calling. 
Ron Rivera wants to make a trade. If a rookie QB isn't in your plans, just call San Francisco up. They got your quarterback. They say he's smart and he wins games. That don't mean a thing. If since week one, Trey Lance had played, the 49ers would have had a ring. If your team's rebuilding, talent's what you lack. Trade two picks for Jimmy G. Now he's your quarterback. All right, San Francisco, you are headed to the NFC Championship game, which I thought at the beginning of this whole journey would be the game that matters for San Francisco because they have the best defense in the NFL, and they have five pro bowlers and a 1,000-yard receiver on their offense. Their offense is not necessarily explosive. Their offense is not necessarily going to beat you with deep plays the way that Buffalo and Kansas City and Cincinnati have been winning games over the last two seasons. I'm going to call it three seasons for Kansas City. Well, Kansas City call it five seasons and Buffalo call it three seasons. But their their offense has a lot of talented players. And San Francisco beat Seattle even though Vegas was taking some money betting on Seattle. And for a minute there, it looked like they might be onto something. This game, San Francisco won with a defensive, uh, an incredible defensive performance, especially in the second half when, you know, they, they, every, they scored on every possession of the second half. I know that's something that's kind of weird to think about, but after the muffed punt by Ray Ray McLeod, every possession the rest of the game ended in a score until two minutes left in the fourth quarter. So between the Ray Ray McLeod fumble, which was with 11 minutes in the third quarter and two minutes left to play in the fourth quarter, every single drive ended in a touchdown. The re or sorry, every single drive ended in a score, not a touchdown. Every single drive ended in a score. What's super interesting about that is just how long it took for teams to move down the field, which I think is a credit to San Francisco's defense and a credit to Dallas's offense in the way that they went after San Francisco's defense. And on the flip side, San Francisco's offensive line played impeccable. The touchdown drive that ends two seconds into the fourth quarter, which I believe was San Francisco's only touchdown drive the entire game. That one touchdown drive that the 49ers had took seven minutes and 40 seconds. It was 15 plays. It ended in a Christian McCaffrey touchdown, but they were mixing in Elijah Mitchell, and they were mixing in the Kittle catch, the the one where he juggles and catches, and that's the one chunk play of the drive. You know, San Francisco took seven and a half minutes off the clock on that drive, ending in a touchdown, which... Credit to them for pulling that off. I mean, Buffalo had a drive like that. We talked about Cincinnati scoring in scoring 27 points on drives of three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, six minutes, and seven minutes, which is a basically, as far as I'm concerned, imposing your will upon the defense is when you can not only score five times, but score in five different time frames. So Buffalo loses that game by giving up that many points. Dallas keeps themselves in the game by 
scoring and possessing the ball enough. And what I mean by that is San Francisco has the number one defense in the NFL. So what does Dallas do on offense? They try and mix in the running game. Okay, Tony Pollard breaks his leg, which I believe was in the second quarter of the game when that happens. So, okay, Tony Pollard breaks his leg. It's either 3-0 or 6-3 at this point. And now the game plan has to switch. And you're playing the number one defense in the NFL. You've already thrown a crucial interception that led to the first field goal of the game. So you're at this point, you're negative one in the turnover margin. And then when Pollard gets injured, Dallas goes to the Super Bowl Rams strategy, which is something I just connected the dots on. Because I wrote down, I was taking all these notes. I did local radio in Sacramento today. So there's clips of that available on YouTube if you want to search Sacktown Sports and find me doing Cattles and Rami. Like if we're talking about the 49ers or the, the Cowboys game plan, it was basically what the Rams did in the Super Bowl when Odell Beckham got hurt. And they didn't have a healthy Cam Akers at that point. I can't remember if it was Akers coming off the torn. I think it was Akers who had the torn Achilles but played in the Super Bowl. Uh, I think it was like six months after tearing his Achilles. And what they basically said was just put the ball in the hands of Cooper Cup and go. Cooper Cup on the end around runs. You saw end around runs on third and one to CeeDee Lamb. Uh, that ended up in a first down. You saw not just three on the same drive. You saw five screen passes to C.D. Lamb over the course of the second and third quarter once uh, Tony Pollard goes out of the game. You see screen passes to Lamb. You see third and one where they stack the box and then hand it to Lamb on an end around in motion. Dallas was saying at that point, let's just get the ball in C.D. Lamb's hand and that's the way that we're going to move the ball down the field on San Francisco. And to their credit, it was working. They were in the red zone or at least approaching the red zone when Dak threw that interception that got tipped and picked off by Diamador Lenore. Like they were working their way into the end zone when that was happening and then it flipped and turned around and the 49ers got a field goal at halftime and it was nine to six in one of these slop fest games but the slop fest game where both teams felt good about themselves I mean the Cowboys scored a touchdown and still turned the ball over twice in the first half they were negative two in the turnover differential and were only down three points I think the Cowboys were feeling pretty good about themselves at that point of the game like they were they were battling wits with San Francisco in a way where like when Tua threw the interceptions ball game over in the divisional round game when Geno Smith got strip sacked it wasn't Greenlaw I I forgot who stripped it now um Juju Juju Talk Sports corrected me when we did our YouTube video on it but when Geno gets stripped in the 23-17 game in the wild card I mean, it was over after that, and that didn't happen to Dallas. So I think Dallas is feeling pretty good about themselves and the offensive game plan of just give the ball to CeeDee Lamb, screen pass to CeeDee Lamb, end around runs to CeeDee Lamb. It's not ideal, but it was what they had at that point because like their number two receiver was Dalton Schultz, who's like diet Mark Andrews. And we've seen how the struggles of the Ravens offense looks to pass the ball when you take away Lamar Jackson. Like, wide receivers didn't catch a touchdown for 10 weeks for the Baltimore Ravens. So Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews light is not what you want, ideally, as your wide receiver, too. And Pollard was such a big part of what they were doing that when Pollard broke his leg, it just became get the ball to CeeDee Lamb, and that's how we're going to try and move the ball. And again, to their credit, it worked in the second half. They were able to mix in Noah Brown on the short field. They were able to run the ball with Zeke a little bit. I mean, it wasn't perfect 
after Pollard went out, but it wasn't terrible either given the circumstances. I mean, Zeke's longest carry of the game was five yards, which is woof. But like San Francisco is the best running defense in the NFL and Ezekiel Elliott has been cooked for years. So like Dallas's game plan at that point was like run the ball to CeeDee Lamb, throw the ball to CeeDee Lamb, mix in Dalton Schultz when we can. And to their credit, like I said, they punted and then they got the ball on the short field and kicked the field goal to make it nine to nine. And then they got the ball after the San Francisco touchdown, went down and kicked a field goal. I believe that was a like five, six minute drive. I want to say uh, it was a uh, looking at this now. Oh, it was no, it was a three minute drive. Uh, my bad on that. It was a three minute, 50 second field goal drive, which is basically what the Bengals took over with when they kicked the field goal to go up 27 to 10. So it was a four minute drive. They go down and kick a field goal. So they get short field opportunity, kick a field goal. They get the ball, kick a field goal, which is not going to win a game. Like I said, like CD, the Cooper cup strategy barely worked in the Super Bowl. I don't remember the final score of the Super Bowl, but it was like 24 to 20. Like, the Cooper Cup strategy barely worked in the Super Bowl. If you're doing it with CeeDee Lamb, an obviously lesser receiver against an obviously better San Francisco defense, then you put together six points. So Dallas was already playing from behind at that point, and San Francisco was, again, a five-point favorite in that game. San Francisco is an overwhelming offensive and defensive team that I'm going to guess is favored against Philadelphia by a point and a half going into the NFC champion. Oh no, the Eagles are favored two and a half. That's interesting. We'll have to talk to we'll have to talk to someone about that. I'm surprised to see that the Eagles are favored against the 49ers even at home. Anyways, so the 49ers go into that situation and at at a certain point, I mean I I know local radio was kind of bagging on Kyle Shanahan for the the conservative play call at the end of the first half and for the decision to kick the field goal at the end of the game. Like, they didn't have it on offense. Like I said, they had five Pro Bowl players, and they had a 1,000-yard receiver in Brandon Ayuk. They just didn't have it on offense. Running the ball, Dallas was great. Carlos Watkins got hurt early in the game, and he came back in eventually, I believe. But it was um, slide in Jonathan Hankins. Great to have as a backup defensive tackle. Micah Parsons didn't have a sack, but he was spying Christian McCaffrey the whole game. And the thing that the Cowboys went into the game with which I thought was a really, really interesting strategy. The Cowboys, you know how um, everyone talks about the decision from Bill Belichick to take away the thing you do best and how Bill Belichick game plans to take away your best thing? Dan Quinn, with the players he has on defense, and like, don't get it twisted, they got some dudes on that defense. Like, Demarcus Lawrence is still a great player, uh, even if he's not as great of a player as he once was. Leighton Vander Esch has been great for them this year. At, I mean, he's been very good. I shouldn't say great. He's been very good. Micah Parsons makes everything better on that defense. Trayvon Diggs is a, a, an all-pro player this year. So, like, they have dudes on that defense, the thing that they decided to do in the like, you know, stereotypical Belichick takes away your best option type of thing, they said Debo Samuel runs, we're ready for him. We're going to we're going to bring linebackers in, we're going to play outside when Debo gets the ball lined up in the backfield, we got him. And they did great at stopping Debo Samuel runs. And the thing that was interesting, Shanahan kept going back to him early in the game. And the thing that was so interesting about that strategy is that's the thing that cooked Dallas last year when they played San Francisco. And they decided going in, 
they they might beat us on offense. It's not going to be with Debo, and it's not going to be with Debo out of the backfield. And they decided we are going to eliminate those plays. We're going to eliminate Debo catching out of the backfield, and we're going to eliminate Debo running out of the backfield. And on the six plays that the 49ers ran with Debo Samuel out of the backfield, they gained a total of 17 yards. 17 yards on six plays for Debo Samuel, who last year had a 40-yard touchdown and a 30-yard play that set up either a field goal or a touchdown in that playoff game against Dallas. They said, we are taking away Debo Samuel on the ba- in the backfield. Like He's not going to be the reason that we lose. Granted, Debo Samuel's playing with an injury as well, which is, makes it doubly interesting that the Cowboys decided to go to that strategy of we're going to eliminate Debo Samuel at all costs. And if not for Kittle juggling and bobbling that insane catch that at best turns into, or like, ideally turns into an incompletion, and at worst is Brock Purdy throwing the dumb interception that we expect a seventh-round quarterback to make. Like, at that point, when you're see, if not for that catch, that game's a 16-12 to game, or it's a 12-12 game when the 49ers have the ball getting ready to punt back to Dallas um, with, I think it was like one, when Dallas went into Kirk Cousins' purgatory, when it was 38 seconds, no timeouts, length of the field, down seven. The drive when Dallas went into Kirk Cousins' purgatory that ended with the 49ers punting, if Kittle doesn't make that catch, this game ends in... 12 to 12 and it's either going to overtime or the 49ers strategy completely changes once they get to the 40 yard line of the Dallas Cowboys with two minutes to play and the Cowboys having two timeouts the strategy totally changes if Kittle doesn't make that catch so if not for the insane juggling catch that Kittle makes that helped keep that drive alive I believe on third down yeah that game might be 12 12 and the Cowboys do what they need to win that game and Christian McCaffrey didn't have a great game. He didn't have a big play, which is super interesting because they they made a concerted effort to remove Debo Samuel. They just straight up stopped Christian McCaffrey. And the way they straight up stopped Christian McCaffrey was Micah Parsons as the spy. We're not going to use Micah Parsons in the pass rush. He, we're going to bet on, Dex, on Demarcus Lawrence and we're going to bet on Carlos Watkins getting to the quarterback. Micah Parsons, spy Christian McCaffrey. Spy Christian McCaffrey when he lines up at receiver. Spy Christian McCaffrey when he lines up in the backfield. That's the game plan. That's how we're going to run it 70% of the time. We're not going to have Micah line up as an edge rusher. We're going to have him line up at the middle linebacker position, which Micah can do. It's just, I heard Ryan Clark talk about this once upon a time. Micah's best skill set is just bull rushing the passer. So when you're that level of skill, use whatever the best thing he does over and over again, because that's how you're going to be the most efficient defense. And so they decided Micah Parsons, this super freak who, you know, he's probably going to lose defensive player of the year to Nick Bosa, but like if he gave me a vote, I'd probably give it to Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons, they decided your Christian McCaffrey stopper, the rest of the defense, we're going to scheme to take away Debo Samuel. And it actually worked. It actually worked. And look, Kittle's stats are going to look a whole lot better because of that one crazy 31-yard juggling catch. But like, you look at the rest of the team, Brandon Ayuk, two catches, 26 yards. Uh, McCaffrey had six catches out of the backfield for 22. Jawan Jennings, two catches 
for 26 yards. No other player on the Niners had a reception other than those five guys being Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, Jawan Jennings, and Christian McCaffrey. Like, they didn't put anyone else on the field. No Elijah Mitchell, no Juszczyk, uh, no, I think it was Ray Ray McLeod would be the next receiver on the depth chart. Like, they said, these are our guys, and the, the Cowboys took away three of them. I mean, if you want to talk about Ayuk just not being a part of the offense, um, which more so was the 49ers game plan, especially on that touchdown drive than anything else. They basically said, we're going to scheme out Debo and we're going to have Micah Parsons guard McCaffrey. And it worked like it worked great. The, again, the thing we brought back to earlier, they were just trying to run that Super Bowl Rams offense with CeeDee Lamb and it just only could get them 12 points. But then the flip side of that flip side, and I know I'm circling a little bit here, the game would have been 12 to 12 if not for the circling the juggling circus catch by George Kittle. And I think that play is fun and crazy. And again, I was at a, a Lunar New Year party, and so I'm watching the highlights later of that catch. I saw the fourth quarter. I saw the end of the game, including the hilarious play where Zeke gets bum-rushed, which... LOL. And that's also probably going to be Zeke's last play as an, as a Dallas Cowboy, which again, LOL. Like if that Kittle catch not only is spectacular and crazy, but as I'm watching the highlight, I know it's coming. I know it's like, oh, Kittle improbable juggling catch. And I'm watching it and I'm still amazed that he's able to haul that in Brock throwing across his body. Cause I said it when I, I, I said it casually a second ago, like Best case scenario, that realistically falls incomplete. Worst case scenario, Brock Purdy just made the mistake that we all expected a seventh round pick to make. Because remember the joke I had about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? I said if Jimmy Garoppolo, or sorry, about Trey Lance, I said if Trey Lance gives you 20 for 30, 220 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, you're going to win the Super Bowl. You know what Brock Purdy was? 19 for 29 which is basically 20 for 30. I mean, he completes one screen pass. How many yards? 214. <laughs> they hit the formula exactly correct, which was, Brock, you're not gonna lose us the game. You might be able to win us a game. You're not gonna lose it for us because we will take away your throwing privileges so fast. If that Kittle play turns into an interception or even if it turns into an incompletion, your throwing privileges are gone so quickly. Because Jimmy Garoppolo threw an interception against the Green Bay Packers and they didn't let him throw for for two hours after that happened. They're like, the only way we are going to be in serious trouble is if you give them points. If you don't give them points, we can hold them to 12. Don't give them seven back. Don't give them three back. They, actually, they gave three back, but it was Ray Ray McLeod. It wasn't the offense. It was the special teams that gave the Cowboys three back. Flip side, the Cowboys gave the 49ers three to 10 points back on the first interception that led to a field goal and the interception that led to the field goal before half that also took points off the board for the Cowboys. Because remember, the Cowboys were in the red zone when Dak threw that pick that was probably going to lead to a field goal attempt. So call it six points. The Cowboys gave them six points. The 49ers gave the Cowboys three points. It all evens out to plus three for the 49ers. They still win the game anyways because they won by seven. Turnovers weren't really the difference in the game, but they could have been. And the way that could have been is if Brock Purdy throws a pass across his body that George Kittle doesn't juggling two times catch while falling forward across midfield on what I remember to be third down. So, and, and that drive ends in a touchdown. So like 
yeah, that play was a big deal. And yeah, that play ended up working out for San Francisco. And I, I'm not saying like, don't make that throw. I'm saying if you make that throw and it doesn't work out and George Kittle doesn't bail it out a pass that was too far over his head and leading him too far in the other direction. I'm saying if Kittle doesn't make that catch and it falls incomplete, no harm, no foul. If Kittle doesn't make that catch or he juggles it and the Cowboys intercepted in no man's land and they take that back for three to seven points, ooh, your throwing privileges are gone. Because at that point, it's 12 to nine potentially or 16 to nine. But let's call it 12 to nine because I don't think the Cowboys were really scoring a touchdown after Tony Pollard got hurt. Let's call it 12 to nine, Cowboys leading at that point instead of 16 to nine. I mean, you're kind of screwed. You're kind of screwed at 12 to nine. And I'm not saying they would have lost. Again, like if Kittle doesn't make that catch and it falls incomplete, the only difference is the game is 12 to 12 when the Niners have the ball at the 40 yard line with a minute and a half to go. And instead of calling three run plays to force the Cowboys to burn their timeouts, maybe they start working McCaffrey out of the backfield or working him as the receiver and they pick up a first down to get to the 23 because they didn't have a problem picking up first downs. It just took them a while to get there. 49ers pick up a first down and then they kick a 40-yard field goal and they win the game with zero time left on the clock. Like maybe that's how the game ends. I don't think the Cowboys were really that close to winning. It's just... The, the schematics worked out in such a way that they had a chance. And once they went into the, hey, we're just going to get the ball to CeeDee Lamb on every play and have him make some sort of play because Lamb had 15 of their plays that completed. The Cowboys ran, uh, let's see, counting up quick math, 55 plays, 15 of which ended up in the hands of CeeDee Lamb. So that's a Usage rate of 27% on the game. 27% is... a So basically, Cooper Cup worked at around a 40% rate. Justin Jefferson worked at around a 36% rate. Yeah, for CeeDee Lamb, that's basically top-end receiver in terms of targets in that offense. Because, like, for example, Austin Eckler was working with about 22% of the Chargers offense during the season. So CeeDee Lamb getting 27% as a receiver is a lot um and that's kind of what they had to do once tony pollard got hurt because uh they tried running it with zeke it was good enough to get them two yards a carry or 2.6 which to be honest was kind of all you could ask for from zeke because he is cooked he is cooked so getting two yards a carry or three yards a carry was the best you could expect, and you were just hoping you didn't get the negative three-yard play like happened a couple times. But again, even if Kittle does... I think the, the point I was circulating back to there is the Kittle catch was a huge deal. The Kittle catch, as spectacular and crazy as it was, total game-changer for the San Francisco 49ers. Total game-changer. And like I said a second ago, maybe they end up winning at the end anyways because it would have been 12-12 instead of 12-19 when... They get the ball in the Cowboys' side of the field on their last drive of the game, so that probably ends with Gold kicking a 40-yard field goal that he probably makes as time expires, and it feels a little more dramatic than it does, which instead we got the magic of Mike McCarthy's botched clock management and Dalton Schultz running the wrong way out of bounds, and then Dalton Schultz not knowing how to toe drag on a pass where they were just letting him have the sideline. Dalton Schultz not knowing how to toe drag on the last, uh, I think it was the play right before the Zeke lining up at center play. 
Um, damn Dalton Schultz, that was really bad. Um, also Dalton Schultz's last play as a Dallas Cowboy was him forgetting how to toe drag when he clear when he was so he had so much space. He caught the ball one foot down. His foot was all the way behind him in stride. He just forgot to toe drag to pick up the first down. I think it was like a 15 yard play. Also, like just an awful job by Dalton Schultz that we will forget because of Zeke getting run over by the Cowboys defensive line on the stupid last play of the game that shouldn't have been in the playbook in the first place. Even if we don't get that moment or those moments, even if there's more drama at the end of the game and the Cowboys don't end up in Kirk Cousins purgatory, don't underestimate just how vitally important that George Kittle catch was to keeping the San Francisco 49ers season healthy and alive. And at the very least, it covered the spread. So congratulations if you had 49ers at three and a half, four and a half, five, whatever it was. George Kittle's catch is the reason you covered the spread. So congratulations to y'all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We've got episodes every single day, Monday through Friday. Wired Ups have been coming in very periodically because we are coming off of a fantabulous, fantabulous NFL playoff weekend. Uh, Maybe there will be a Wired Up, maybe there won't. We'll see what ends up happening. But either way, we've got guests coming in all throughout the week, friends of the show getting set for championship weekend. We are ready. I hope you are as well. And in the meantime, until we talk to you again, take it easy. Let's play it out one more time to the Jimmy Garoppolo San Francisco 49ers theme song as they have now won two playoff games influenced by Nick Foles syndrome, a.k.a. Brock Purdy, leading them possibly to a Super Bowl. Enjoy it while it lasts, 49ers. Garoppolo drops back to throw. You're gonna lose the game. The seasons come and seasons go. The Niners need a change. If you don't throw check downs, you're gonna take a sack. Jimmy G is warming up. Yeah, he's your quarterback. No, don't throw it. Interceptions drive us all insane. Phones are calling. Ron Rivera wants to make a trade. If a rookie QB isn't in your plans, just call San Francisco up. They got your quarterback. They say he's smart, and he wins games. That don't mean a thing. If since week one, Trey Lance had played, the 49ers would have had a ring. If your team's rebuilding talent's what you lack, 
Trade two picks for Jimmy G. Now he's your quarterback.